Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here, back with Mike K. He's back in the mix. Uh, Lombardo replaced him briefly, a little substitution package. Uh, Mike is awaiting a baby. Is that right, Mike? <laughs> That's what they tell me. Jigglies, you know. Uh, it still hasn't come yet, though, is what I hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am on watch. Maybe uh, during this podcast he leaves. Yeah, don't know. so Zach typically tells me, hey, don't look at your phone, because we both have, like, crazy ADD. <laughs> but uh, I have it. to actually look at my phone because, uh, yeah, you know. I guess a baby's a big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just sort a... of. I mean, I don't even really know why I need to be there. I did my part. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to do at the hospital? Yeah. Yeah, I'll just shake some hands. Let's hope uh, your wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, well, she does, so this will be real fun when we get home. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be back. I really enjoyed the the last episode with Matt back in the mix. He was kind of, you know, the one week rental, like the Bruce Hector of the bunch. You know what and I mean? You love practice squad call ups. So. Yeah, I do. That is kind of my what, thing. What, what was it like for you? I'm sure it was a surreal experience, like watching the team you cover on TV, though, right? Yeah, it was very weird. I. I uh, that happened to me sometimes in Jacksonville just because I work for TV and, you know, Kristen from Fox doesn't always travel. It's kind of like you have to budgetize everything. And yeah, it was very weird this season. I mean, it was, you had to cover like 16 or 17 games and then all of a sudden right. have to watch it on TV is a weird for feeling. For the record, the Eagles had a winning record while I was on the beat. So <laughs> I wasn't here week, yeah, true. You missed week, week one. Well, they won week one though. Right. Yeah. But like at one point I was like, oh man, I'm going to get crap for this because they're they're four and six, and it's all because of me, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, it was very weird. Uh, I was kind of glad. I really don't like the Superdome because, as as Zach knows, I read out loud, and I can't hear myself think in there. Yeah, yeah. So it's that like that stadium is. It, I love New Orleans. The city around the stadium is fantastic. That stadium is my least favorite in the league that I've been to. I like it less than FedEx Field. Uh, FedEx was terrible, and and I don't think it's fair, but like the Coliseum was awful because half the time a post was yeah, in my yeah. face. But it's like an obstacle course. There's a, the elevator only carries nine people max. Like going up and down with like a media. I mean, that's just media complaining. Right? We won't complain about press boxes. Uh, we're about to get a bunch of comments. Like we're really, you know, you guys are, are lucky to have out. your jobs, and and you're right. We are lucky to have our jobs. We're lucky to have this podcast. We're lucky to have you listening. And we, you know, this is, we should get a little, a little personal here. I mean, this was our first year covering the Eagles, kind of a big deal, first year together. And we made it out in a couple of pieces, (laughs) two of us, but, uh, very cool. All the feedback you guys have provided all the listeners. I know it's tough when, when hosts change and writers change and stuff like that, but we've been feeling the love and the hate, which is kind of what you want. (laughs) 
right? Zach? Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I always, I've always been someone who appreciates criticism, and so I know people occasionally will write stuff in a harsh tone, and there are people who write it in like, I don't mean to be offensive, but like, you gotta, you gotta stop cutting Mike off, and like, like that helps us. So we appreciate those emails, the comments, rude or nice, either one. <laughs> yeah, we're going for the most improved podcast award next year. Yes, uh, that is something we should... that we are trying to do. We're going to cut down on the heavy breathing. We're going to cut down <laughs> on Maggie drinking water during the podcast. Uh, Zach will not stop laughing. I promise you that yeah, will that, not I mean, happen. That's, just, that's me in real life. You, you just was... got you to gotta deal with it. But, again, we appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate you listening. Let's get into some football. Zach, what do you got for us today? Yeah. So we're going to cut down like one newsy item. Then we're going to get into like a little season review, some stock up, stock down, then put a ribbon on the season, kind of determine what we think about how the season went. But the, the newsy item um, is about – former Eagles quarterbacks coach, Sean DeFilippo, just going to your old stomping grounds. Maybe you can give us some recommendations of where to live. Uh, he's going to be their offensive coordinator over there, and that kind of almost immediately, as expected, launched the Jaguars into like the, the social media versus like, favorite to land Nick Foles because of it, because he was, the, he was the QB coach when Nick Foles went on his run last year. He helped get him ready. Um, you and I have talked about a lot of this quite a bit off, off air. Uh, I'm not as convinced he's going to wind up on the Jaguars as it seems like a lot of people are. You know the Jaguars organization better than me, obviously, but just from afar, like it seems like an organization that's extremely dysfunctional. I don't, I don't see Nick Foles wanting to go somewhere like that. I totally get that perception. Yeah. I don't think they're dysfunctional. Yeah. I just think but the perception of them is right. That the they perception are. is for sure. I think the issue with them, they, I mean, they interviewed every offensive coordinator under the sun, but part of the reason for that is you're retaining the three-headed leadership group that saw a team completely regress from an AFC runner-up to whatever they the, were. <laughs> the, the worst team in the AFC South, um, which a couple of years ago would have been like a death sentence. Um, Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, Doug Marone. Uh, I'm actually a big believer in two of those gentlemen, uh, the last two, Dave and Doug. Um, I think Dave Caldwell gets a lot of flack when he's actually, if you really look at his draft record and ability to draw free agents compared to somebody like Rick Spielman for the Vikings, who has repeatedly failed, or someone like John Elway. John Elway's got a Super Bowl. I get it. Whatever. Um, He inherited a really good team. But again, uh, I think Dave is a really smart guy. I think he's got a good eye for talent. He's just failed at the quarterback position, but that is a huge you know, discrepancy, and you got to critique him for that. Doug Marone is the CEO coach. As an offensive coordinator, it's appealing to work for him because you get to call your own plays, which is something DiFilippo obviously wanted to do. That's why he went to Minnesota and didn't take, didn't jump at the chance to possibly uh, grab Frank Reich's role when he left. Um, I think... Doug's a really smart guy. He's very good about letting his coaches coach. So you're saying he won't fire him <laughs> midseason? Right. Well, I mean, well, I guess he, he did fired the thing Nathaniel ha- Hackett, but he won't, basically his son. He won't call his offensive coordinator out in the public instead of taking it up with him. <laughs> oh, believe me, though, he does want to run. So it'll be very interesting um, <laughs> oh, boy. how that all works out. That said, Filippo, the reason why this place is appealing for him is, one, I could see him being the successor to Marone if it doesn't work out. Uh, he's also got the most important job. The way to keep your, your job of your Codwell, Coughlin, and Marone is for John Filippo to uh, develop the next quarterback or bridge the gap with a veteran so that you feel like your offense is set. Now, that said, their wide receiver group is like the equivalent of the Browns a few years ago when they had Muhammad Massaquah and 
uh, who's the Rubisky? Brian Rubisky. You remember that? Like when there was like nobody on that roster. Uh, they have D.D. Westbrook, who's got a lot of potential. They've got Marquise Lee, who's coming off a knee injury, who I actually think they can use a lot like uh, Nelson Aguilar a couple of years ago. But that's a that cupboard's bare for the most part, as far as like stuff you can depend on. They've got Leonard Fournette, but he's a head case, and he runs. He averages like 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, that's inflated by a couple of big runs. And then the quarterback position, you got to figure out Dwayne Haskins, who I think is the runaway top guy. I think we agree on that. Yeah. Um, or do you bring in somebody like Nicholas Foles? <laughs> so I'm giving you a long answer and I'm rambling, um, but I don't see it. I don't see it for several reasons. One, you brought up the the outside dysfunction. You've got Jalen Ramsey making fun of former defensive backs coach Perry Fuel when he gets a job with the Carolina Panthers on Twitter yesterday. Though I will say Foles is one of the guys he complimented in his uh, preseason rant. That is true. And he complimented <laughs> him to me when I was at the Pro Bowl last year. That's why he picked the Eagles. Uh, he said, Ronald Darby's my dude, Nigel Bradham's my dude, and Nick Foles is pretty good. Uh, he's an FSU grad. Uh Jalen Ramsey calling out guys, the outside dysfunction, the way that certain people handled the losses. Um, Leonard Fournette getting into fights and getting suspended and having all this controversy. Nick Foles, I sp- we spoke to him uh, during cleanout day, and I asked him specifically what he's looking for at his next team, and he said he wants a great locker room culture. Last year, the Jaguars played like they didn't believe in themselves, and everybody was for themselves, and it was all individuals, at least from an outside perspective, right? That's not Nick Foles' locker room. That said, it's hard to find like a locker room that you're like, gee golly, man. I, on top of that, I get it. We're connecting the dots with John Filippo. John Filippo was with Nick Foles for a year. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles didn't have really a, tr- a preseason. Uh, he came in, um, was a backup for several. It didn't get first-team reps, so John Filippo wasn't like catering to him all the time. And then he came in, and yeah, they prepared him for this run, but Frank Reich as you saw with the Colts, is is a master play designer and a guy who assisted him to, you know... And, 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 and Doug Peterson. Right, and, Doug, you know, that guy Doug Peterson, whatever. Who did and, the same this year, yeah. By the way, Mike Rowe played a big role in a lot of play calling during that run as yeah, well. Yeah, he was a big play designer, and yeah. So, do I think Reich makes sense for Nick? Sure, it's a familiar face. You know who's also a familiar face? Pat Shermer, who I, I know you think that connection runs yeah. deep. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think we yeah we can talk about. It. So I I think that connection. I mean, it comes from they he coached. He was often of course Chip Kelly called the plays then, but he was offensive coordinator in 2013 when Nick Foles had that great year. They have a lot of weapons, probably the best weapons of any team that's even being like bandied about between Beckham, Barkley, uh, Sterling Shepard, Evan Engram. Obviously, they also have their own level of dysfunction over there, and you know they're. He has a great connection with the Eagles fan base, and there's the whole idea that would he really play for the Giants? I think he would, but I I I view the Giants as one of like the the, the top three contenders. I'm still working through. Who I think the other ones are. I think the Broncos are intriguing. I think the Dolphins. It depends on how they build their staff. Um, I know you you've talked about the Bengals. They're intriguing. Yeah, I think I think that I think it's really intriguing. And and the yeah. the three teams were like if the quarterback retired, which I don't think any any so all three of them would be Chargers, Steelers, Patriots. I don't think right. all three of them are going to yet. It right. seems like they all have a little juice left, but it, it's we're going to talk a lot about Nick Foles over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure there's so many different scenarios. There's a lot of people who are still 
like Adam Schefter said, acting like he'll be surprised if the Eagles don't try and trade him. I personally still don't see that happening because you have to factor in the franchise tag in order to trade him on the franchise tag. You have to sign him to the franchise tender, which is $25 million guaranteed. I don't know how many teams want to take on $25 million guaranteed right away. I know they can negotiate a new contract, but that's like so many different steps that it becomes less appealing that the only team that I could see you them like swindling into doing something would be John Gruden and the Raiders. <laughs> you also have to look at the fact that Basically, he holds your free agency hostage. It doesn't matter how many guys you cut. You know, that's $25 million that you're holding up. You'd have to have a trade done like the second the deadline goes. And the thing is, if I'm an opposing team, screw you. I have all the leverage. I know you can't hold on to this guy at $25 million for the year. You know you can't. Cool, I'll give you a fourth round pick, whatever. I mean, is this all worth it for like a fourth or a third round pick? Because I'm definitely not giving you a first round pick because I know you're going to have to cut him or, or relinquish the franchise tag. If he, if, if his agent, who is very smart, Ryan Tolner, says, hey, Nick, I think we should sign the tag. That way we get the money no matter what. Nick, What's Nick going to do? You know what I mean? Uh, I just – and then trading for him too on top of that, you're giving up draft resources and then you're going to have to sign him. Last year it made more sense to trade for him because he had the one year and then you could restructure it. If he's on the franchise tag, you're pretty much paying him $25 million on a one-year contract, and you don't know. Maybe he says, you know what, let's see how this goes. I'm going to be picky with who my long-term team is, and if it doesn't work out, he can say peace, or you franchise tag him again, it costs you even more money. And 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 he's a malcontent. And by by tagging him, they're risking him just accepting the franchise tag qualifying offer, and then, like you said, that hamstrings them. You know, they have a lot of free agent guys they have to consider. They would have to cut a bunch of guys to make it even possible to re-sign anybody. Then all of a sudden, you're behind the eight ball and you're restricting which teams would trade with you probably because I don't think they would trade with the Giants so on top of that it, it impacts your ability to extend Carson Wentz yeah because I mean have, that's a big factor yeah right so you you're also I'll say this everybody in that locker room loves Nick Foles if you're holding Nick Foles against his will and creating a distraction I'm not sure that's the best way of going about business I think what will happen is exactly what Joel Corey said in his CBS prediction They'll pick up the option because it's good business. He'll buy it out at $2 million. They'll say, bon voyage, and pick up a compensatory pick. The next. I mean, either way, you're getting compensation for Nick Foles. I will say Howie Roseman, as he often is at these press conferences, was pretty sure to make sure he didn't say anything about his plans with Nick Foles when he was asked about him. He, he made sure to point out that they're going to do what's in the best interest of the Eagles, which implies that they would try and trade him if they can. But I still just don't. I mean, this guy has done so much for this city and this team. I, I don't see them sending him somewhere he hates. Yeah, I just think it's a. I think it would be a brutal mistake. The only reason why you would do that is if you don't want him going to the Redskins or to the Giants. Yeah. And, and that I could understand. But I also – I don't think he wants to play in the division. I don't. I, I think that that's – I think he we'll, can – We'll res- debate that another day. Yeah. But <laughs> let, you know what? Speaking of the NFC East, let's talk about how the Eagles are right now. You, you wanted to do a game. Yeah, yeah. I want to do a little stock up, stock down, go through the roster. We can elaborate on some guys more than others, but we'll run through it. Um, and the idea being their stock being up or down from where their expectations were before the season. Not do you think they had a good season or do you think they had a bad season, where you think their stock is relative to that. And then, then we'll get into what we think about the season overall. Um, we can start at the top. We'll start at quarterback. Uh, Carson Wentz. I, I think relative to what expect it, it's he's like such an interesting discussion because he was coming off the knee injury, but he also was coming off an MVP level year. But I, I think just based on where we ended the season and where the conversation was, you have to say stock down. It doesn't Absolutely. mean it doesn't necessarily mean I think his stock's not going to go back up next year, which I think we both think that I, I think he's going to get back to the old Carson Wentz personally. 
Yeah, I think Carson's in a situation where the expectations were so high anyway. Um, Pretty hard to meet them. He's a guy that, when we say stock down, it's only because the expectations were so high, that's, right? That's that's why I wanted to do this like this, right, like the right. expectations. Right, because like, to put it in Madden terms, let's say he was coming out as like a 97 in Madden, right? And then they did the update and he was down to a 92. That is stock down, you know what I mean? He's still a 92, but... If that makes sense. Sorry, I know that's kind of like a <laughs> no, weird... I like using stuff in Madden terms. Yeah, um, he's got a 99 cent awareness. Uh, 99 90, cent? 99%. You well, you ruined... yeah, I did. Oh, damn it. All right, well, it wouldn't be a, a no-huddle podcast without Zach, you know, correcting me. Anyway, um, yeah, I would agree that his stock's down. What I will say is I think his postseason uh, scrum that we did the other day was the most – impressive interview he's done like, since like he's been honest here. and yeah yeah he was honest he he came off very sincere he came off like a leader he took responsibility which is something you and i harp on a lot um i think he's going to mature from this injury in a different way that he matured from the knee injury i think the knee injury was just it, I, I talked to Sidney jones about his hamstring injury and he said it with the, with the Achilles injury, it was about mentally buying into, like, hey, you're going to have to miss the entire season. With a, an injury like the hamstring or the, the stress fracture where you could play, but you don't know what how much damage you're going to cause, that's the mental gymnastics you have to get over. And I think Carson had to accept that, you know, hey, he could play, but he it was better for him long-term to sit, sit out. And I think that came across in, in the press conference. For sure. All right, the next one is another interesting one because Nick Foles, you, he was the Super Bowl MVP and all that, but I still weirdly feel like his stock is up just in terms of like how he's viewed around the league. I still think there was some like, is this a flash in the pan? Like, it, it, he's not actually this good, is he? He kind of the first two weeks, you f- kind of felt like it was Nick Foles of old, which was like good sometimes, bad other times, and then he has that four game stretch, five game stretch. I know he wasn't great against the Bears and he wasn't great for four quarters against the Saints. But all of a sudden, he might get $20 million a year, which before the season, I would not have predicted. Yeah, I think he's proven that he can handle tough moments like he doesn't blink. And I think that's something that's very valuable. He's not the most talented quarterback. Um, I think Brett Favre said it the other day. He's not extremely talented, but what he's good at, he's really good at. And... That, he's right. He's good at taking chances. He trusts his wide receivers. He buys into a program. He's going to be a leader. He's going to settle down the locker room. He's a guy that you can invest in from the standpoint of there's nothing off off the field or in the brain that's going to bother you. And I think that's really appealing. I think you can't say that about 20 quarterbacks in the league, as talented as some of them are. Who would you rather have right now, Nick Foles or Matt Stafford? Nick Foles. Who would you rather have right now, Matt Ryan or Nick Foles? This is an interesting discussion, actually. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who Matt Ryan or Nick Nick Foles, I think. Uh, who would you rather have right now? Um, yeah, you always ask me the questions. Let me do it to you. Who would you rather have right now, Case Keenum or Nick Foles? Nick Foles. Who would you rather have right now, Kirk Cousin or Nick Foles? Nick Foles. <laughs> um, who would you rather have uh, right now, Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson? Patrick Mahomes. Who would you rather have right now, Deshaun Watson or Nick Foles? Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about for a season. I still would rather Deshaun Watson. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody who I put on Nick Foles' level. Yeah, like not. Who quite. would you rather have, Jared Goff or Nick Foles? Hmm, that's actually an interesting discussion. Um, well, thanks. <laughs> for one season, Nick Foles. 
Okay, so then that's the parameter. That, that's, right? the, that's like the, the threshold right that's there, That's the threshold, okay. So, so probably like the 12 to 14 to 15 top in it. Who would you rather have, Nick Holes or Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers. Okay, so th- then there you go. Yeah, so you're you're at the 10, 11, Ben Roethlisberger, Nick Foles. I'd rather have Nick Foles. Not even, not even, not even thinking about it. Yeah, and I don't, I don't love Ben Roethlisberger as like his personality and as a leader personally. So yeah, I could tell you who I could, I would he, take off the B- top. Big Ben's a better quarterback, but right. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you have to like. If you're, it's all a factor. So like, if I had to think off the top of my head, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, um, Cam Newton, Cam Newton. Uh, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. I don't know if you have Deshaun Watson ahead, but I, I wouldn't. Um, he's got as much turnover issues as, as Nick. He makes as many mental errors as Nick. He's just mobile. Um, Andrew Luck. Um, I can think of eight guys right there that I would take over him, but there's probably four more guys that he's I'd better take. than more than half the league right. starters. Probably. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. It's so hard to find a top 15 quarterback. You know why? Because there's 17 teams that don't have one. Yeah, there's only 15 of them. <laughs> right, exactly. So I think if you're a team that you feel like like the Jaguars, who thought that they were built and could do a bunch of stuff, he makes sense for them. If you're a team like the Bengals, who've kind of always been middling, and you think a quarterback can be the thing that takes you over the top, that makes sense. The Dolphins, if Stephen Ross feels like he needs to build a culture around a quarterback, Nick Foles is your guy. Oakland, if... He, if John Gruden once said, "Hey, gee, I like this Nick Foles guy on air," maybe it works out. Did, with yeah. <laughs> I actually think that if they weren't in such like a tumultuous situation with their move, I think that it would make a lot of sense for them. But well, he could be the face of your team going to Vegas and all right, that. Right, right. But then again, do you th- really think Nick Foles is all about that Sin City? You know all <laughs> Man, those advertisements. He, he's, he's like the opposite of the kind the of guy. Saint and the sinner. Oh my God! I, I can <laughs> hire me Raiders. By the way, if. Doesn't seem like Drew Brees is going to head towards retirement yet, but I think the Saints might be like the number one perfect fit if he did retire. You're going to upset a lot of Teddy Bridgewater fans, but yeah, I agree. Well, I Teddy Bridgewater is going to be free agent. He might not even stay there. Yeah, well, and I don't think he's going to get a starter deal either. But whatever. Anyway, get angry at me, internet. Uh, <laughs> but all right, we. I mean, what we about Nate? <laughs> just because we both like Nate a lot, we'll just we'll just mention him. We're not going to go through like all the backups, but I. He didn't. It's hard to say. I think his stock was at a pretty good level when he started the season. I think it's at the same level now. So I would say it's like didn't change. I kind of like the way he handled coming in back-to-back weeks in like really high-pressure situations, and it didn't bother him at all. And after the the game, he was pretty calm. And I think I think me, that more helps him around the Eagles probably than like around the league. Right. Though. I mean, but like I think he's going to be a feely where they can flip him eventually. Anyway, I agree. I agree. All right, running back. This is maybe the most interesting position group to to go through. Um, I mean, let's just run through them. We got Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles, Jay Jai, Corey Clement, Boston Scott. And now we're not going to talk. <laughs> All right, we'll start with start with Jay Jai because he started off the season as a number one running back. You have to say stock down. He only played four games. He he went into the season hoping to prove himself as a free agent. One of his biggest concerns was health, and he hurt his knee, which he had bad knees anyway. And his back. Stat, stock down. Yeah, and his back. Stock. He played with fracture back too, by the way. Yeah. Or I don't. Hey, they I call guess that Carson. the Clay Harbor. Really. <laughs> All right, we got Darren Sproles. And probably even down, actually, because it, start, it probably started out like his stock was down, and then the way he played at the end, stock was back up, and he probably kind of evened out to what you expect out of Darren Sproles. He, we, we've admitted that we were wrong about him. We don't need to belabor that point anymore. Sorry, Darren. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Darren. He, it, 
I don't, I'm curious. Very, he's going to be one of the interesting storylines this offseason, whether he comes I'd back or not. Back. Yeah, well, Matt, if he wants to, yeah. Um, Corey Clement, I'd say relative to expectations, I think stock down because he went into the season. I, I thought he might end the season as their number one running back. Before he got hurt, he wasn't really heading towards that. He was playing a lot better at the end, but it's pretty clear that he's more of a complimentary, you know, goal line slash pass catcher, and I think they missed him quite a bit those last few games. I think he's a number two running back, a really good number. Like, Carell Buckhalter was a number two running back and a really good one. I think Corey Clement could have a really good career as a number two running back. He seems to be bought into that. Uh, he was slowed down by the calf injury that he suffered in week two, but... You know, I mean, like you said, he made some strides. That was like one of the most unfortunate injuries too, because like Carson Wentz had like a bad handoff, and like the hesitation, I'm pretty sure, is what caused that. Not that I'm saying it's Carson Wentz's fault, but like the reactionary steps to that. That was that was rough. Um, and then you want to talk about Josh Adams? Josh Adams. I mean, you have to say stock up. This is a guy who's cut after preseason. He was resigned to the active roster after week three. Became the full-time running back by, like, week 8, 9, 10. I mean, he kind of he got some carries in that Jaguars game. He wasn't really the full-time guy yet. He had 20-plus carries back-to-back weeks. That he had, I mean, kind of exemplary of, like, what the running back room was this year. By the end of the season, he was completely out of the rotation. And it, it seems like people have soured on him already, which I think is crazy. I, I don't think he's – maybe I, I was a little overzealous with what I expected out of him after what we saw those first couple of games, but I still think he's a good rotational running back, and his stock is certainly up. He was one of the bigger surprises of the team when you consider they haven't given a guy 20-plus carries since Ryan Matthews and in consecutive games since DeMarco Murray. Like, this is just not how they operate usually. I know part of it's because the other running backs were hurt or not that good, but I think his stock is an easy up, and I there are people who don't think he's going to be on the team next year. I think that's wild. I, th- I wonder if he was a little banged up. Yeah. Um. You know, uh heading into the postseason just because they were so adamant about... Yeah, they even said that he was the number one guy. Yeah, they were adamant that he was the number one guy. He was also taking snaps at the goal. Like, he was their short yardage guy, too, and they just decided not to do it. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm interested to see how what happens there. Uh, I think he's going to be part of a rotation. Like, I think, ideally, you have Wendell Smallwood. I think you keep five running backs next year. Here, I'll, I'll say this. I think you keep Josh Adams, you keep Wendell Smallwood, you keep Corey Clement, and if you bring back Darren Sproles, awesome. None of those guys are starting. The guy who's starting is the guy you either draft or sign. You wrote a great piece about it today, uh, about making moves. I'm a Tevin Coleman guy, but the dude like I would absolutely say would be a slam dunk. I, actually, I don't know if he would be from a PR standpoint just because of how the Saints reacted to everything. Mark but Ingram. Mar- Mark Ingram, to me, it would be perfect. I, I just think it seems like likely he goes back to the Saints is the only Probably. reason I didn't even include him. I, I've, I've said Latavius Murray is an interesting fit. And then I know a lot of fans like Joshua Jacobs from Alabama, but I don't know if the Eagles are going to want to use their first-round pick on that guy. And he won't be there by the time it gets their second-round pick. Um, the last guy is Wendell Smallwood. Considering how low the expectations were, like that's an easy stock up. I think he's clearly a role player in this offense. I wouldn't shock me if, if Josh Adams is not on this roster, it would be because of Wendell Smallwood. I think because Corey Clement's a guy that they're going to build, they're going to build into this offense. He does too many things too well. Um, if if Darren Sproles is back, then you reconsider. But um, Doug Peterson was very adamant that they did not have all the talent that they needed at that position. Um, there's going to be some intense battles at that running back position, especially when you consider that they have like two number two running backs and three number three running yeah, backs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not a one. You know what I mean? So 
Jai, I wonder if he would be willing to sign a one-year prove-it deal. I doubt it, but... I'm not even sure if the Eagles really want to bring him back anyway, honestly. Yeah, just I because of all the bodies so. they already have, and I think they'd rather get somebody you can rely on more Yeah, you want him. somebody younger. Yeah. He's pretty young, to be fair, but yeah. Okay, somebody with... Yeah, no, I, I know what you're... He, you know that's someone who has the body of someone who's younger. <laughs> uh, receiver, we can just quickly say stock down to Mac Hollins, Mike Wallace, and uh, Shelton Gibson. Uh, we don't need to elaborate too much. I think everybody knows the whole story. I mean, Mac Hollins, I joked on uh, Twitter Q&A, I did that. He's in the witness protection program. Somebody asked where he is. We didn't see him. As, he was like on the practice field like once. And he's, anyway, that's going to be a storyline. I'm, I'm not convinced he makes the team next year unless he's completely healthy. I'm not either, but every single time you write anything about like an off-season roster move with a wide receiver, if he's not like at the forefront of, hey, he's on the roster, you get an email. <laughs> I, I, it's happened to me three times. <laughs> and I've included him in the pieces. It's just he's not like, it's like, yeah, Matt Collins was on IR for the rest of the year. And it's like at the bottom of a, par- a bottom paragraph. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, all right, whatever. All right, then I'll... The obvious stock up is Jordan Matthews, who, I mean, I, I thought he, he's he's like a fine veteran. He he played better than I thought he he was capable of at this point of his career after all the injuries he's been through. Solid fourth receiver. I know people are like arguing with you about the idea of him being a fourth receiver. I'm fine with it. I think he's a fine veteran. I know he doesn't do special teams, but... Like, what, what, so. I, I need to talk about this, because this drives me crazy. And please comment, be in the comment section. I'm not trying to be... Um, condescending, but it's very frustrating to me when I see somebody say something like, because because fans in general have been trained to think bottom of the roster wide receivers, oh my god, they got to play special teams. That's not necessarily the case. When you're keeping five safeties and five corners, those guys can duplicate that wide receiver production. They kept six wide receivers for the majority of the year. The guys who played on special teams, DeAndre Carter and Sheldon Gibson. Didn't affect the the top five guy, the top four guys. Um, you also have a boatload of running backs who can fill in those roles. There are guys that can play gunner at corner, safety, running back, wide receiver. I've even seen some tight ends run <laughs> as gunners. Um, you remember Doran Dickerson back in the day? Oh uh, yeah, he's no, you've never heard of him. Uh, anyway, sounds but, fake. But yeah, yeah, it does sound like a mad name. But like there are guys that can play those roles. It's not necessarily yes does it benefit you to be really good you know on hard knocks are always like yeah he's gonna have to make the roster through special teams yeah no duh but like when you have a guy who's capable of being a starter if one of your starters goes down like jordan matthews it's okay if you have to fill a special teams role with a corner or a safety or have a guy do core four when he normally just does two different special teams units it's not that big of a deal Think outside the box. That's what Doug Peterson does. That's why you like him. If they keep six wide receivers and Jordan Matthews the fourth guy and Nelson Aguilar or Golden Tate's the number two guy and Jeffrey's the number one guy and they draft a rookie speedster as their number three guy, you're fine. Um, You got Mac Hollins. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I just like to me, it's we've got to get ourselves out of the mindset of, yeah, we heard it on TV. Yeah, this is the norm, whatever. As Doug Peterson says it's the new norm and they can do whatever they want with their roster. I mean, a lot of teams don't carry three quarterbacks. Guess who does? Andy Reid and um, and Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. I mean, you know, it happens. A lot. Some teams don't carry a fullback. The Eagles don't carry a fullback, but you, you know who it, does? You, you wish every team carried a fullback, I by do. the way. <laughs> but you know who does carry a fullback? John Filippo's Jaguars and the Saints that just beat the Eagles. I'm just saying, like, not everybody has this cookie-cutter mindset, and I think we just got to get beyond that. You want your best players 
out there. If I mean, Golden Tate doesn't play special teams, and he was the fourth wide receiver for at least three games this season. So it's like, again, whatever. I'll get off my soapbox, but <laughs> I just found that really fascinating. A rant about Jordan Matthews. Who would, who would have thought on this No Huddle show that that would have taken place? <laughs> Funny callback. When when they were looking into Jordan Matthews, I said, I think Nick Foles might make more sense at wide receiver than Jordan Matthews. <laughs> and I was wrong. So sorry, Jordan. Yeah. All right. Uh, you mentioned Golden Tate. I think that's an obvious stock down one just relative to what the expectations were for him coming in. His numbers are pretty poor uh, relative to what he had done with the Lions. Um, and then the two interesting discussions are Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar. I'd say Alshon pretty much had the same season he had last year. I'm not sure if that would, tr- would qualify him as a stock down. You could make the case that it does. Uh, he missed those. He did miss the first two games. So no, actually, it's three games. Three games. You're right. So the stats actually are better. Yeah, yeah the stats are better, and they would actually he would have had a thousand no. yard season. And he, I think he was that. more dominant this year. Like I, I know the numbers maybe don't say that, but Aguilar is interesting. I actually, I'm going to say stock down on Aguilar because I think a lot of people came into the season, including myself, thinking that he was going to make another leap forward, and he kind of stayed the same as last year, which is fine. He's a really good player last year, but there were many weeks where he was disappeared, and that wasn't always his fault. Sometimes the offense wasn't flowing his way. Uh, he became a better deep threat towards the end of the season than he had shown previously. But he's four years into his career now. He has yet to have more than 800 receiving yards. Um, he had the one, he had eight touchdowns last year, which is really good. But I, I think that his stock's down. Maybe not a lot, but I think it's slightly down. That's my opinion. So the reason why I would say it's like a push or an even is because you look at how much they relied on him in those first three games. Like he was out catching Zach Ertz in those first three games. He was the only wide receiver there. And then they bring in Jordan Matthews. They bring in Alshon Jeffrey comes back. Then they trade for Golden Tate. I think Nelson's the most dynamic wide receiver of anybody on that roster right now. That said, I don't know how they plan to use him. Mike Groh loves him. Uh, Doug Peterson seems to really like him. But we also have to keep in mind, he's not a, a Howie Roseman draft pick. And so that's the thing that gives me pause. They picked up his option. It's only guaranteed for injury. He's healthy. Did you trade for Golden Tate wondering which one you'd rather have? Because Golden Tate's been on this PR tour since he's been here, and it's almost like he knows something that we don't, other than his baby's due date. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's something, like, there's something going on. Like, there's something that, like, just doesn't smell right, if that makes sense. Like, it would not shock me if Nelson Aguilar was not on the team next year. That said... It wouldn't also shock me if he signed an extension that lowered his cap number and he was good to go. I would personally keep Nelson Aguilar. But, you know, maybe maybe you've had uh, Golden Tate here for 10 weeks and you feel like he can perform duties that you didn't have him do this year, but you know he can perform because you've seen him in practice. I don't know. That said, if you feel like you could get a draft pick for Nelson Aguilar, like a third-round pick, which I don't think you can... Uh, my blessings on to you, but I, I just think like Nelson Aguilar is so much more dynamic than a lot of people give him credit for. Also, I, doesn't play special teams. <laughs> he does a lot away from the ball too. Uh, tight end Zach Ertz obviously stock up. Uh, Dallas Goddard stock way up. Uh, he didn't even get a target, I don't think, in that Saints game, which was a problem. But the Saints probably weren't making that a possibility. Richard Rogers stock down. I mean, he didn't really do much. He was kind of, I mean, the third tight end. Actually did a lot in this offense last year. With Does Trey he Burton. play special teams? <laughs> Are you going to do that all day? <laughs> no. Uh, all right, offensive line. 
this is Jason Peters' stock down, I would say. Uh, left guard, we got Sayamalu stock up because there were no expectations for yeah, him coming in. Yeah, I would say so. Wisniewski stock down. He started as a starter, lost his job. He might have to start for them next year, depending on Brandon Brooks' health. Jason Kelsey somehow stock up, I would say. Brandon Brooks probably stock even. Probably He, he was really good, and we expect him to be. Lane Johnson probably evened out in the end because he started off slow, ended really great. And Vitae stock way down. Because there was some positivity from coming from him at the end of last season, and then guys like I mean Jordan Mailata, you relative to I didn't think he would make the team. He was definitely stock up. <laughs> Anything that sticks out you want to throw in about the offensive line? Uh, Jason Kelsey's the best center in the entire league. It's not even close. Um, and I think Brandon Brooks is the right, best right guard in the league. Uh, that said, you brought up Samalu. I think Samalu has really developed as a run blocker. He had a pull. I want to say it was against. It was the yeah. It was against the Bears. It was one of the best pulls I've ever seen from him. Like he's developing. Like he's learning, and I think that that's really important because he, the offensive line is such a mental position. You guys also also have to act as a group. I think he's also Jason Peters has played at his best next to Samalu as opposed to Wisniewski. Though I think Wisniewski was not playing all that poorly before he was benched. I thought he played well during that three game uh, streak. Um. But yeah, I think Sam Allo's grown. I, I don't think you guarantee him the left guard job next year, but I, I do think he's grown to the point where you feel comfortable with him. Well, if Brooks is at any significant amount of time, you kind of have to guarantee it to him because uh, he's gonna, it's going to be, unless they sign somebody, which I think they would sign a veteran at least for depth. They need it. So the guy that I like there is Roger Saffold from the, the Rams. He's played for the Rams his entire career, but he's played left tackle. He started at left tackle, started at right tackle, started at right guard, started at left guard. That's the type of versatility you want in like a two-year deal for a veteran. He can play wherever you want. Maybe he starts at right guard while Brooks is out, and then he's your left tackle insurance and plays left guard when when Brooks comes back. But I don't know. I, I like him a lot. I think he makes a lot of sense if the Rams don't want to pay him. And left tackle will be a recurring storyline this offseason, depending on if Peters retires. Even if he doesn't, they need to get somebody who can replace him. But let's flip over to the defensive line. We can start at defensive end. Derek Barnett. I mean, it, it sucks that you have to do this, but when a guy gets hurt and he only plays however many games he played, five games, that means stock down. If you don't play the full season, that, that affects your, your grade. And he was playing pretty well before he got hurt. Uh, I'm still optimistic about his future. Shoulder injuries you can come back from. Um, it, it's good that he got the surgery earlier in the year. I'd say stock down for him. Michael Bennett, stock way up. We've raved about him plenty on this on this show. Brandon Graham... Probably stocked down just based on where he he ended last season. You know, he had that game-winning play in the Super Bowl. He had nine and a half sacks last year, only four and a half this year. Still had a lot of pressures. Still was really good for them. But he clearly like lost a little bit of the athleticism, and I don't think he was as good. Uh, I would say Chris Long, even stock. Josh Sweat, maybe down just because I, I expected a little more out of him in his rookie year. But, I mean, he's a raw, raw talent. Deshaun Hall, stock up. He might be on this team next year. I'm intrigued. And is that everybody? I think I hit everybody there, right? Yeah, I believe that that's everyone. Anything you don't agree with there? Or? Um, I think, I mean, Josh Sweat barely got any snaps. Yeah, and, it's hard and, to criticize and, him. Yeah, but and he's a project. I, you know, whatever. But I, I don't know if he showed enough to be like, he's going to be our starter next year is the one thing. I would agree with you with Brandon Graham. Um, you and I kind of talked about this off the air, and I think it's worth addressing. Um, I know we're, we're running a little long, but um, it is a review show. Uh, he had come out and said that he felt like he owed it to himself to go test the market, and he was disappointed that he didn't get a, a deal beforehand. This is a case where you and I basically said both sides are correct. 
I don't think Brandon Graham deserved the money that he is about to get. That said, he owes it to himself for his future and everything to go out there and try to get his paper boo-boo. But that said, I think the Eagles were right, man. I, I don't think it's tough to, it's one thing to get pressures and pressures are invaluable. I'm not saying anything like that, but he's not a guy that puts up huge sack numbers. He's good against the run. He's not great. Um, and honestly, his versatility has kind of waned a little bit when he's rushed inside. He hasn't been as effective. Uh, you drafted Barnett to replace him probably. Uh, and you know, Bennett's kind of over, over delivered. And I think if you have him for one year, awesome. That said, Howie Roseman said that this is a historic class for defensive ends and defensive tackles. Go shoot your shot, man. Like, we said this about running back two years ago where it was a historic running back class and you came away with Donnell Pumphrey. <laughs> Who pretended the, to be Tariq Cohen, mind yeah, you. <laughs> and people love that. Oh, God. Um, you also traded a seventh-round pick for DeAndre Hall, but who? whatever. whatever. Anyway, um... But also, they can get like there's another sweat in this draft. They can get they can have Montez. two sweats flanking each oh, other. Oh man, I love that kid. That um, would be awesome if they had two sweaty guys. Yeah, the sweat <laughs> bros. It's getting sweaty in here. Anyway, um, I do like Montez Sweat from uh, Mississippi State. I also like the Boston College kid Zach Allen. Um, if those two guys are there, I think they make sense. Zach Allen actually is pretty much Brandon Graham. Uh, I think so, the Eagles would have considered Harold Landry last year, by the way, if they had stayed in the end of the first round. He turned out pretty good for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think if you you're, you're looking at the past classes, look, you can never go wrong with a defensive end, a quarterback, or a corner in the first round, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, "Hey, get a deep wide receiver, get a really good running back." They haven't drafted a running back in the in before the uh, in the second round or higher since Lashawn McCoy. And Lashawn McCoy was a was a guy that they literally waited for them for for him to come. And he was a in my he in my opinion, he's the second best running back of his generation. So again, I don't see it happening. I don't see them going running back early. I think it'll be. The lines, if they can, if they can draft a guard, a tackle, and a defensive end, or a defensive tackle, defensive end, and offensive tackle in the first three rounds, I think you feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah, uh, defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox somehow stock up. <laughs> uh, Tim Jernigan, he looked really good at the end, but you still have to say stock down because he only played a few games and he had a mysterious back injury that he's going to be one of the interesting cases offseason of his contract. Lodinata. I mean, I didn't have high expectations for him, but they signed him to be their starting defensive tackle, stock down. Trayvon Hester, stock up. He's going to make the team next year. Yeah, I think Hester played pretty well. Um, with Nada, even if they didn't sign him to be a starter, he still failed. I mean, I he, he had he, like two good games. Yeah, he had two good games towards the end of the this year. He had a calf injury, sort of like everybody else this year. Everybody had a calf injury. I've never seen so many calf injuries in my entire life, but... We talked about Bruce Tactor at the the start of the show. He bounced on and off the practice squad. I think he's going to be fighting for his life on the practice squad. There's a lot of good defensive tackle uh, depth in this draft, and I'd be shocked if they didn't come away with one in the first four rounds. I would say... Interesting is a word for them, yes. (laughs) Jordan Hicks, stock, down. He got hurt again, and he wasn't great when he was playing. Nigel Bradham's probably even. He wasn't great all year, but he was pretty good towards the end. He wasn't great against the Saints. He was really good against the Bears. Like it kind of that was kind of his season in a nutshell. Camus, Grugier Hill, I'd say stock up. He seems like a piece for the defense going forward. If not like a full time starter, then like close to it. Uh, Nate Gary, eh, stock down, eh, even le- leaning towards down. If you had major expectations, for yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> for sure. Come on, bro. I don't think we need to go too crazy on the linebackers. Jordan Hicks is a guy that we'll talk a lot about in the offseason, I think. 
Yeah, and rightfully so. Again, another guy that's not a Howie Roseman draft pick. So it's worth thinking about. The chip purge. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, from there we got secondary. There are a lot of guys to cover here. Corner. All right, start with the Jalen Mills-Ronald Darby duo. Yeah, I guess you have to say. I mean, Jalen Mills only played half the season. Ronald Darby around the same. So that's stocked down. And they were had their ups and downs. They were really good at times and really bad at times. That's them in a nutshell. I, th- I, I think there's a chance Darby comes back. I don't think he will. I, but there's a, there's a better chance than I think people realize. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Jalen Mills, you and I both still like him quite a bit. I, it feels more and more like, God, just move him to safety and it would be so perfect. Just help the kid out. Like, I mean, I just he's so good at manning up on the ball. Like, and, and Maddox needs to be an outside corner. Well, see, that's the thing. If you're not going to make Mills the, the, the free safety, you have to put you, Maddox you, there. You've yeah. got to put Maddox there, and I guarantee you, you'll get asked about this on other other podcasts. Yes, because safety is going to be. I to me, Ronnie McLeod's the most fascinating situation. We'll, we'll ever. get into so, safety yeah. in a second, but let's finish out corner. Fonte Maddox is an easy. I guess we'll call him a corner because he played twelve different positions this year. Maybe the most stock up out of anybody on the roster. Honestly, he's he a defensive make, rookie of the year for this team. For this, he, yeah, he, he might actually be the the third most valuable defensive player. The, the only other player who has a case as a better stock up would be Craven LeBlanc, who, Ooh. man, that's him, his performance in that Saints game, and he, he picked off Drew Brees in the first game, and he had, like, two or three other, like, just phenomenal pass breakups. He's already, I'd argue, he's one of the top ten most popular Eagles on the team right now. Like, that's how, how high his popularity went. And it's funny, because, like, he was cut by two teams this year. And this is, like, a classic Howie Roseman, like, Find a diamond in the rough slash Joe Douglas. I know you you're you're smiling because you're like, yeah, I knew we were right. Blah blah blah. But uh, I mean they they hit a home run out of the park and that's a that's an easy easy stock up. Um, the other guys we got Razul Douglas stock up. For some reason they didn't play him for the first half of the season. You you there, at one point it might have been in London you went on a rant about them not playing Razul. I think there were a few different rants. I, I <laughs> you've, just you've had like a couple of rants this season. Understand. That one it made even less sense as you saw. Like clearly we've talked about this plenty, but he's a guy that needed to get into a groove and you weren't allowing him to do that. By so he struggled those first couple of games. He started full time. Um, who else we got at corner? Josh Hawkins, who, oh man, poor kid. He had to play so much against the Saints. And not well. And not well did he play. I mean, uh, the, the, he played one snap this season. Like, I don't yeah, even blame him. Yeah. Um. So what I'll, I'll add to that, because I think you summed it up perfectly. Yes, I was right about Craven LeBlanc. I'm so <laughs> smart. I know my stuff. <laughs> I uh, am so smart. Um. So what I'll say is the Eagles actually have a really good problem. Like, if you go back to probably October, we were talking about how cornerback was an absolute dumpster fire. Right now, it's one of the strengths of this roster because you, if you, if you're in the camp that really believes in Jalen Mills, which is what Jim Schwartz and Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson clearly are, on top of that, Darby could be sent off, but you have Rasul Douglas who who's really developed into a good, a decent outside corner. I would say he's good. I would say he's pretty good. Um, and then you've got Craven LeBlanc who can play inside and outside. He's proven to be a really smart guy. If they bench him for, like, Sidney Jones, come on, bro. That's going to be one of the storylines in training camp. Like, yeah. there's no way you can put that guy on the bench, right? Oh, right, Sidney Jones is the guy we didn't mention. He's stocked down, yeah, obviously, stocked down. for sure. Well, and then you here's the thing. If I'm them and I'm looking at corner, I'm thinking Jalen Mills, Rasul Douglas, and then Craven LeBlanc in, in, in nickel because, A, that's your cheapest look. B, you don't know if you can depend on Sidney Jones. C, you're still probably drafting a guy in the fourth or fifth round. D, if you move Avante Maddox to free safety, you could always use him at corner. Avante Maddox's best position is outside corner, which is why, like like I said, it it would just make so much sense to move Jalen over to free safety. And I, I, 
I don't know if they're going to do that because they're pretty sad on him as a corner. So that same that, with Douglas. I mean, all three of those guys could theoretically play free safety. Or Mills would corner. be the best safety out of those, I think. Or in theory, he has the potential to be. But I don't know if he wants to. I don't know if they want to move him. Uh, safeties, Malcolm stock up somehow. I know his numbers aren't there, but his stock's up. Uh, he played every snap this season. <laughs> like it's unreal. Best free agent signing probably in team history. You could argue. Oh, also headed to the Pro Bowl for the third time yeah. four years. Yeah, yeah, he's replacing uh, Landon Collins, who probably should have been it over anyway. Uh, let's see. I mean, we've uh, Maddox kind of applies here. Trey Sullivan stock up. He had he's had a, he had an interesting season. He had, you know, he he made the team in the first week because DeAndre Hall was suspended. He had a really bad first game. He had a bad play. I forget. It's like so long ago. I forget what he did exactly. There was something with like a kick return or something. It was an opening kickoff, and he like yeah. completely like it. it like, to say whiff would be polite. Like, yeah. it was bad. And then he got cut the next day. He came back to the roster a few weeks later. He didn't play that much for a while. And then he became, like, the fourth safety. They did a lot of, of – or third safety. They did a lot of sets where he was, like, the third safety next to Corey Graham and Malcolm Jenkins. He quit himself well. He he played his way out of the roster next year. And I, I would imagine, depending on what they do with McLeod, um, I could see him, like, splitting – some time with Avante Maddox back there, and they move Avante back outside the corner occasionally or something. But like he gives them some flexibility. They need some depth there for sure. But his stock is up for sure. Corey Graham. I mean, he played more. You might even say stock up just because I don't think anybody thought he should have started and he shouldn't have. And he was he was fine at the end of the year. Ronnie McLeod. You have to say stock down just because he only played three games. Yeah, I mean, it was a hell DeAndre of a... DeAndre Hall stock down. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, see, McLeod's like such a weird situation because I thought that at at best he was going to just play this year and then be done. So for the with the injury, but you saw how badly the injury hurt them in the first half of the season, but then to see Maddox and and other guys step up, it's like I mean, you could really save like a lot of money by just having Maddox to free safety and I don't know if the drop off's that huge. Um because Trey Sullivan could then take on the Corey Graham role of the third safety. Uh you've got to be able to save money. You're going to have to pay Carson Wentz. You're going to have to keep some of these guys, you know, I mean, if you're going to keep Nelson Aguilar, that's $9 million. Wouldn't it help to save 4 million from Rodney McLeod? You know, like they've got to make some decisions because Howie Roseman even came out and said, we're not doing a youth movement. We're not, we want to win the Super Bowl next year. Like that's the thing. And so you've got to be able to pay guys on the street. I just did an article on, uh, on 11 free agents that are bargain guys, but they still cost money. There's still, you know, a cap, hit to them. And I think if you want to get those Roger Saffolds, if you want to be able to sign linebackers like Kyle Emanuel or, or, you know, bring in running backs like Bilal Powell, you've got to have some sort, and everybody in the comment section is like, why would we want Bilal Powell? Fair. Uh, you know, you've got to be able to do that. And if you want to re-sign guys like, you know, like Jordan Hicks for a year or Ron Darby or what have you, you've got to be able to do that. Or let's say Chris Long doesn't want to retire and you want to keep him. That's some salary that a lot of people have just thrown out already. I mean, that's, you know, those are cap savings. Tim Jernigan, Rodney McLeod are the two guys that I think are the most fascinating on this roster because I think Tim Jernigan played very, very well in the playoffs. Um, And you could see how much flexibility Cox had too. So I think there's a lot to think about here. Yeah, special teams, uh, we don't have that much time, but it, so I'm not going to let you rant about Cameron Johnson for 10 minutes, but um, stock up for him for sure. I don't, I don't think any, I expected him to be work out as well as he had, considering he had never 
you know, been a, my dog's trying to play with us right now. <laughs> uh, Jake Elliott stock probably even. I mean, this is pretty much what he did last year. And Rick Lovato just killing it down there with the long snaps. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then coaching staff, we can run through real quick. I'd say coordinators, I'd say Doug Peterson, probably even. I mean, he did a great job this year, but his, he was at an unreasonable level. Uh, Mike Rowe, it's hard to, it's really hard to evaluate him, honestly. Listen, nobody knows exactly what he does. So it's kind of hard to do that. I mean, I tried to find some clues last week and, uh, Felt like I learned a lot about him as a teacher and the and his ability to relate to players and how much his players like him. Outside of that, he's still kind of a mystery, so it's kind of hard to judge him. Uh, Jim Schwartz, I, I'd say stock up. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of hate because there's an. I think a lot of the issues on defense are, uh, are execution wise. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the scheme. I think it's an execution problem at times. All right, Dave Fipp. Dave Fipp. One of the best punt punting units in the league. Um, was able to oversee Cam Johnston. I think he deserves to be back. All right, and then real quick, in a, in a quick answer, do you think this season was a success or failure? I, or are you, I don't know if that's the right like way to phrase it. Maybe are you disappointed or are you? do you consider the season a success? I would say disappointment just because you go from winning the Super Bowl in 13 games and the NFC to having all those struggles they had in those first half of the season. Some of them were preventable, some weren't. They went 9-7, and seven, snuck into the playoffs, had to go on the road, and didn't advance past where they won their first game last year. So I, I'd say they definitely fell short of expectations. They certainly did, but I think if you're measuring it from each half or each quarter, I think the second half, clearly, they... I mean, they dealt with so much adversity. I'd say it's it's like a... I don't know. I, I got nothing. I, I like. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not here. You know what? Somebody's gonna get mad at me if I don't pick a side. I'll say that it was a success for the long term because this team showed the type of resolve it has. I think more so even than last year. Teams are going or free agents are going to want to play for Doug Peterson. Guys are going to want to come into this locker room. Rookies are going to buy in better. So I think overall, I mean. You look at the success that, I mean, nobody repeats in this league anymore, uh, except if you're the Patriots. It's very hard to make it back to the Super Bowl. I'd say it was disappointing for a season, but it was a success for the long term. All right, we'll end on that note. Thank you guys for listening this entire season. We're going to have a lot of off-season stuff for you, including off-season podcast. Make sure you leave us some comments, uh, write us some reviews on Apple, and thanks for listening. Uh, we'll, We'll get back to you guys soon.